Hey everybody, welcome to the Retro Futurist Podcast. Today I'm joined by a very special friend, an awesome guy, B-Daddy K. We're going to get into some nitty gritty about one of our favorite classic sci-fi films from 1990, Total Recall, directed by Paul Verhoeven, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's a movie that um, really captured action, but also had a great plot and messes with your mind a little bit if you start to overanalyze the film and you can kind of go either way with it i want to give a shout out to ruminations radio network for hosting the retro futures podcast and i want to welcome my guest here b daddy k how you doing sir i'm doing good how you doing pretty good pretty good um so that being said let's get into total recall do you remember the first time you saw it or where you saw it oh i saw it in the movies my uh, yeah, I, my dad took me to see it, which was probably not a good thing, but <laughs> totally not age appropriate. But my dad was a sci-fi geek, kind of like me, and Arnold. He loved Arnold just like I did, and do still. So we uh, we saw the preview for it, and it looked awesome. And um, I love Paul Verhoeven. RoboCop was awesome. So just the previews for it looked awesome. So we went to see it and. I was hooked ever since. It's one of my favorite sci-fi movies. Yeah, I uh, I think I was. I saw it with my uh, my brother and my cousin, maybe even my mom and my aunt, because uh, we might have all gone to see it together. And because uh, my mom liked Arnold movies, uh, my dad had recently left, and um, I just remember seeing the previews. I was like, "That looks so cool! I got to see this movie." And then seeing the movie. At the time, I was 13, 14. Um, it was really fun, and I really enjoyed the action. I didn't quite understand the plot twist of the narrative till later. Uh, but what it, what, one of the cool things for me anyway was that it made me remember, you know, it was based on a Philip K. Dick story, and then I remembered Blade Runner was based on one. So it made me go back and watch Blade Runner, which I hadn't watched since I was much younger and couldn't understand. So it kind of took me back into the world of, of uh, Philip K. Dick, which was cool because I felt like they did a they did a good job of taking that story that the Total Recall is based on a Philip K. Dick short story called "We Buy It for You Wholesale." I think it's for um, we can remember for you wholesale, right? We can remember for you wholesale. Yeah, see, there we go. <laughs> I can't need a little t- need a little Total Recall. <laughs> <laughs> I need that that jingle. Recall, 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 recall. <laughs> Yeah, and they changed uh, they changed a little bit of the characters in the in the short story. He's kind of a Weasley kind of accountant guy. Um, in the movie, you know, he's he's Arnold, so he couldn't have been that. Um, yeah, but he's basically he's the, basically you know same type of character, not Weasley, but you know everyday Joe, kind of clueless. Yeah, yeah everyday yeah. everyday Joe, Joe, kinda, Joe six pack, kinda. working the jackhammer. <laughs> Or, you know, but uh, yeah, that's one of the the beauties about this movie to me is like, like you, when I first saw it, I saw it as an action film, you know, because Arnold Schwarzenegger is action. He's a quintessential 80s action guy in all of his movies, whether it's like Total Recall, where it has like, you can see it on multiple layers, but they're all action movies. And that's what drew me in. It was like the action. It was awesome. You know, for like a 12 year old kid seeing seeing stuff like that you're like oh my god this movie's so good but then when you watch it if 
you know, when you get a little older and after you read the uh, science fiction novels, especially Dick, and you start thinking about the plot, it's so good on a whole nother level. And especially for an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I mean, because most of his movies just, you know, commando, They're brainless. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The brainless, like, action film. This one has a little uh, little brain to the brawn, which is nice. So the, the, the plot, right, the plot of our film is the main character, Quaid, uh, who's a construction worker, suddenly finds himself embroiled in espionage on Mars and unable to determine if his experiences are real or the result of memory implants. That's the truncated version of the plot. Um, it went through 42 screenplay rewrites. <laughs> this was crazy. When I went into some of the backstory it's on, I picked up the new um, 4K re-release of this movie uh, recently remastered uh, uh, with Paul Verhoeven's supervision. Oh, so what? like all the color correction, everything is like to his liking. It's pretty cool. I got it on sale at Best Buy. It's it's a pretty, pretty nice. And there's a lot of extras, but they talk about this. Um, the original screenplay was the same guys that wrote did the screenplay for Alien? They had actually optioned this story way before. Yeah, way back Alien. in the day. Well, like in this, yeah. like this early they 70s were or something like that. Shopping it around, shopping it around, and nobody wanted to do it. And uh, Dino De Laurentiis didn't think it was going to be any good. He thought it was terrible. He kept telling, you know, he kept telling one of the writers, Ron, this movie's garbage, never going to make it. Um, and then when De Laurentiis went bankrupt, uh, I guess Arnold had read the screenplay and loved it, loved the idea. He bought it. He bought it and and called the writer and said, we're doing it. And Arnold knew from the beginning when he bought the screenplay, he wanted to get Verhoeven because he had seen RoboCop. And he said, that's the guy to do this movie. <laughs> so it's pretty crazy that it went through that many rewrites. And it came out good, which is like the the surprising thing. That long in gestation, that many rewrites, usually it's just... Usually flaming, it's a mess. Yeah, flaming right? pile. I guess it took them a while to figure out how to finish that third act of the film. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more detail on that. And they also brought in, uh, it was one of the last movies where everything was made in camera. There's only one computer effect in the film, and that's the uh, the security screen, you know, where, they, where they're x, the x-ray yeah. screen. Everything else was all practical effects um, and like miniatures, matte paintings, optical prints, all that classic stuff that makes all of these 70s and 80s action sci-fi movies almost timeless because the in-camera effect just looks more believable oh. to the human eye. Like you might notice like, oh, that's rubber, but the lighting looks better. Oh, the lighting? Like whereas the early, the early CG stuff that was coming out in the 90s was like, that looks totally oh, yeah, it's terrible. That's one of the best. That's what this makes this movie hold up so much, in my opinion, is the practical effects, especially with like Quado and like Benny's arm, they, like Quado especially. If you look at him, he, he it looks real. I mean, not- yeah, they were. I guess they were on the on the new 4K. They talk about there were people, production people on the set that swore that that was a real uh, Siamese twin freak, <laughs> and not and not not the creation <laughs> of special effects designer Rob Bottin, who also did John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, he did he did all of that stuff for Total Recall. I mean, Arnold knew what he was doing right when he decided to do this. He's like, I got to get this director that can do this kind of 
I think he saw what RoboCop was as far as it wasn't. It's action and it's very in your face, but it's also cerebral. And I think that's why he wanted to get Verhoeven. And then he knew, he's like, okay, well, with all these effects, we need Rob Bottin because he did the effects in RoboCop, but also the thing, you know? Yeah, that's... And, uh... Yeah, that's that's why I can watch this movie so many times and it's it still holds up. So, I mean, some of the practical effects, like the like the paint, like the painted skies and stuff are eh, in the green screens are a little sketchy now, but most of it, it looks really good. And I didn't get a chance to watch the 4k one, but uh, I'm definitely going to check it out because I want to see how it, uh, it probably looks even better. I would think at this point, it's, it's super clean. It looks great. Um, the the only effect shot for me that still, like the whole movie, still holds up really well. The one effect shot that even at the time looked kind of hokey, and it's only because just matching a human frame to the special effect frame, and it's the shot where he's going to Mars and he's disguised as the as the the large woman. And then they do like he pulls the ear and the face opens up and then there's like his head underneath and it just looks kind of off because it's probably an animatronic yeah. effect. That effect still, uh, I never quite believed it back then and it's still kind of not that good now. <laughs> but that being said, all the other effects are great. The production design of the movie is really cool. I guess they shot it down in uh mexico to save money because of all the effect shots they were doing but they found um the subway station and parts down there in mexico city that have this um different architecture they mentioned it i should have wrote it down on the 4k blu-ray it has a specific architectural design well it fits in with the uh, it fits with like the futuristic sci-fi dystopian motif really right the all like the it's all like hard angles yeah. and it's like a pre- oppressive, oppressive looking. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It looks awesome. Cause I mean, maybe it's just the way like sci-fi is ingrained with, like in your psyche now, but that's how I picture the future in a, in a world like this is like, everything is just bleak and s- strong and oppressive. Like the, now, is that because we grew up watching all yes, these movies? Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it totally fits the motif, though. That's, the, that's exactly it. But it just speaks to, like, how, how well they, uh, I guess, maybe, like, understood what they were doing in making the movie. Yeah. And a lot of that we can owe, we can owe credit to uh, George Lucas when he did Star Wars because he didn't want it to look clean. He's like, it's got to look like a lived-in future. It can't look new like a lot of the sci-fi movies pre-star wars everything was weird squeaky clean well i think that's like the that was like uh the sci-fi of the time because if you look back at the old like uh science fiction uh magazines and stuff like flying cars living living forever you think they made the future out to be this like pristine utopia you know where everything is awesome and life is great but then you had like the hard sci-fi where it was total opposite of that. And if you look at where the world is going now, that's almost like where it's headed. If you think about it, it's going to be, it's not going to be, well, it could be living forever, but it's going to be at a cost kind of like, like, uh, like Blade Runner and stuff. You know, you have like the mm-hmm. ultra wealthy that can live forever, but everybody else just lives in squalor and the world's run down and it's not such a happy place. You just described 2020. Yeah, I know. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> All right, so the main part of the story, we'll get into this uh, a little bit more. Um, 
It's 2084. Construction worker Douglas Quaid is having dreams about Mars. He's married to a blonde woman, Lori, who's played by Sharon Stone. She's trying to dismiss. She's like, why do you keep having these dreams? And she asks him, is the woman there? In his dreams, he's with this brunette woman uh, played by Rachel Ticodin. So he uh, talks to his buddy at work. He works construction like you were bringing up. He's obviously jacked using a jackhammer. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty pretty great reference there that he's doing. And uh, his buddy says, oh, don't go. Don't. He says, I'm thinking about going to that recall place. And it's a place where you go on a trip, but it's a memory implant. Brain butchers. Stay away from that. Yeah. His buddy says, don't do it, man. They'll they'll get you. They'll mess you up. They, They fried my buddy's brain. Harry. Harry. Yeah, Harry. He goes there and uh, talks to the sales guy, and the sales guy says, "Oh no, it's great." And and uh, the sales guy makes this really cool point, and he talks about what's the same about every vacation you've ever gone on. Like you go, he's like, you go to different places, you do different things, but what's exactly the same? And Arnold's like, I have no idea. Or Quaid's like, I have no idea. He said, "You." He's like, we can make you whatever you want. And at first he's dismissive of it. But when he sees the screen, there's a list of things he can be on. At the bottom of the list is secret agent. And that just, boom, he's like, oh, yeah, make me a secret agent. At that point, they do the workup. He's going to be put in the machine. And um, the techs are asking him questions about what he likes. And <laughs> it's like one of the best parts when he's they're setting up what kind of females she likes. She's like, be honest. It'll make it better. <laughs> Brunette. Slutty. Athletic. And demure. And demure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. And at that point, this is this is part of the point where you start to, to kind of wonder, is this the dream or is this happening? Because the image that they show is the image of the girl he meets. You know, it's a spitting image of of Melina, the girl that he, that he had the dream about. But while they're setting him up for these for the implant. He freaks out, right? And he gets out and he says, you blew my cover. Schizoid embolism. Yeah. Yeah. And the and the doctor says he's having a schizoid embolism and he escapes and he gets in the crazy Johnny cab. <laughs> How did I get in here? The door opened. You got in. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I love that whole lot. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's, that's like the part when you kind of start thinking, like you said, is this, is this a dream or did this really happen? And then especially when the when yeah. the doctor's like, he's like, don't be dumb. He's living out a secret agent fantasy. And she's like, it can't happen. We haven't implanted it yet. Right. And so that's the part where they kind of, there's two paths you can follow with the story. And that is, is the minute he went to recall, has that been a dream from there? Or did he go to recall? Did them initiating the process trigger something that made him remember who he really was so you have like two so um there's there's some people that are hard-lined that the whole thing's a dream there's some people that are like hard-lined that it's not a dream um i think you could make an argument for either if you follow the clues i I think i think verhoven left it open to interpretation really i think if you if you if you're an optimistic action guy you're gonna go with no that really happened if you're like a skeptic you're probably going to say no it was all a dream. Yeah, there's a cu- there's a couple um, <laughs> there's a couple like clues throughout the movie where it can really drive you either way whether it's a dream yeah. or not. Yeah, and and, and cuz there's a couple a couple of the things are like all the coincidences that line it up, but then uh, I'll get to that in a minute. I, I want to finish getting to this plot 
a little bit more of the detailed plot. So, um, schizoembolism, he gets out. Um, and he meets, he gets out and he meets up with Harry. Oh the yeah. Subway. And there's in the subway and they're going to try and get him. And then he fights all of them off easily. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the coolest scenes. And I, I remember, I remember seeing that scene in the theater going, Whoa, because <laughs> it was gnarly. Yeah. Uh, very, very, very violent. Oh, yeah. um, Visceral. Shoots shoot yeah. the guys. Breaks his neck. But yeah, that I, I love that part. And that guy, Harry, all I can think of after I saw that was uh, the Sega CD game Sewer Shark. Do you remember that game? He was like the bad... I never, he, was a, he was a bad oh. guy in that. Oh, man. <laughs> That's all I could think of was Harry when I saw that, when I played that game. Shitty game. Shitty game. If you can even call it a game. But yeah, he meets up with Harry. Dispatches him easily. And then he he uh, he's he's on the run, and this guy calls him and says, "Hey, here's the you said if you ever disappeared to meet you with your stuff, here it is." And he the guy leaves his briefcase. I like how it's so like convenient though. Like after all the shit, right, the shit goes down. That's, the guy's so, like instantly, right, that's, "Hey, that's, you disappeared, but you've been gone for according to his wife six years. They've been married. Well, at the beginning, he's like, "How long have you married? Six years." Oh, out for a little hanky panky, huh? So, I mean, if he's been gone for six years and the dude just finally tracks him down now, I mean. Uh, well, maybe. So, the one thing you can kind of explain about that is he has the, he has the tracker. Yeah, that- so, the, so, he gets a message and the message is from himself. And he says, uh, you know, you need to remove this tracker, use this tool. And we get this classic Arnold scene where he has to shove this <laughs> this metal claw thing up his nose and he makes the typical so, yeah. Arnold noises while he pulls it out. Gargantuan with the claw. Great Rob- the thing was so huge. Yeah. And then the- with the great Rob Boutine prosthetic effect. But even that like looks awesome. It's I mean it looks pretty good. That still yeah. holds up a little bit. You could tell you could tell it's prosthetic, oh, but it looks but, it matches. But really for the well. time it was awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean you look back on it now, like with our like high, with technology now it looks a little cheesy, but it was right. it was awesome. And then his own message tells him to go to the uh, Hilton on Mars. There's a message there. Um, so he does just that. And um, he has to run because his ex slash fake wife, Lori, uh, his boyfriend, Richter, is chasing him because they need Quaid. Doesn't know it, but he is wanted by Cohagen because there's something in Quaid's mind that they want. And this is this is like I said, this is where that plot starts to to veer off in like, is this part of the fantasy or did this really happen? Right? Quaid's wanted by Cohagen. He goes to see he goes to the Hilton, he finds a note that says to visit Molina. It's like at a strip Venus club or, or a, Venusville. A, a Venus town. It's like it's like a it's like a whorehouse. Yeah. Red light district right? of Mars. Yeah. <laughs> He finds her, and there's definitely they know something about him that he doesn't know. And this is the cool part about it: when you see it, even even on multiple rewatches, the way they made his character interact, they did such a good job of him not knowing any of these people and the character expositions around him. You can read that they're they're unsure who he is now because they knew who. Yeah, because like, even when he shows up, Terry's like, "You got a lot of nerve showing your face around here," and he's like, "Look who's talking." <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those Arnoldisms because oh. that guy is really—he's got the uh, the uh, radiation yeah. effect of Mars, so he's all yep. creepy looking. <laughs> but yeah, that's what—that's what's great about this movie too. Is like most like most Arnold guys are characters are you know so one-dimensional, like just like a oak stump. 
X, he's like just there. Right. XGI special forces guy who's tried to retire and then they come after him and he has to protect his daughter. Not that I just ruined the whole plot of commando, but <laughs> <laughs> even if you did, that movie right. is so worth watching. It's such, such a terrible movie, but it's such a good watch. I, but yeah, he, this in this movie, he actually has a little bit of like range to his character and his acting. It's not right. just the, the wooden Arnold in every other movie. Yeah, so then at this point he finds out that um, he finds out, he meets with Melina, um, she kind of sends him off, and then uh, he gets captured, yeah, right? Yeah, that's when the, this, um, after like she uh, she turns him away because she's unsure if he's, uh, if he's Hauser or Quaid, he goes back to the hotel, and that's when he meets the, uh, yeah. the chief scientist from recall comes in the one from the, the commercial at the beginning when he's in. When yeah. He's in the subway. And then, and Laurie yep. shows back up. That's right. And then he says, uh, has the matrix uh, moment. This is, this is, this is a dream yep. and you need to take this red pill so we can bring you back. If you don't take this red pill, your entire world is going to come crumbling down and everything, all this is going to happen. And he kind of lays out the rest of the, that guy tells him exactly what's going to happen for the rest of the movie. And this is another one of those parts that's like, did it happen? Was it a dream because of the way he explains it? And then if you pay attention to everything that actually happens in the movie, it's everything that this doctor exactly. says, which is kind of. Kind of weird. But it also and it also has the the one of the first clues to either side of the argument of if it's a dream or if it's really happening. When he uh, yeah looks at the doctor and this bead of sweat rolls down his face. Right, and so at that point he sees the doctor's sweat and he just pulls out his gun and shoots him. Because <laughs> to him, that's the validation then, that it's not a dream. If, it's, right. if it was a dream, the dude was just being projected there he's not going to be sweating like he did so he blasts him and then they run back to uh last resort oh that's when melina comes in and saves him though yeah Yeah, that's one of the best one of the best lines you can't shoot me honey we're married (laughs) consider the divorce and then melina's like like, that was there's a good four or five bitch (laughs) yeah They get back, and then Cohagen actually captures him. He comes in. He has this guy storm last resort, and he captures. Oh, and it's Benny. because of Benny, the yeah, cab driver. When they meet up with yeah, Quato. Benny. Benny's the sellout. They go to meet Quato, and it turns out even though Benny was a mutant, he was a sellout. Um, yeah, when they, after they go back to the last resort, because they they said that Quato wants to meet with them, so they take the secret tunnels, go through the old. Uh, the crypts of uh, where the first the ancient yeah, settlers. The first Martian settlers were buried because they worked themselves to death for Cohagen. And then they meet with Quato, which is one of the coolest scenes in the movie, I think. Right, and Quato is like a... Conjoined twin or something like that? He's like a conjoined twin to yeah. that guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's some pretty cool uh, special effects. Yeah, they did a good job. The lighting is is pretty good. He's not too plasticky looking he's not too rubber looking he's not too slimy he's just about yeah it's hard to tell yeah if you, and it's it it looks I, to me it looks awesome like in seeing it back in the theater when i was you know oh wow oh, back then awesome. 30 years yeah. ago that's why that's why practical <laughs> effects are look so much better it's computer effects look good now but like even 
um, my son and I were watching some Star Wars movies the other night, and uh, I told him to choose which one he wanted to watch. And he's like, um, and he starts making a case for all like the ones he wants to watch. I'm like, just choose one, bud. He's like, we like them all. He's like, well, I like some of the, the prequel ones are just okay, but the special effects in them aren't that great. I'm like, aren't that great? Yeah. Um, I'm like, why do you say that? He's like, because it's like, it's too CGI. You can tell that it's not real. I said, exactly. And that's, that's the problem when you use all computer special effects is it, it just doesn't come off uh, real. There's nothing exactly. Grounded. That's why, yeah. and that's why I think this, the special effects on this work so good. I think that was one of the, as, as a side note, as a little tangent as we're on, on Total Recall, but a tangent into Star Wars. One of the things I think they did right with 7, 8, 9 is they switched to using a lot more practical and a oh, hybrid definitely. of the effects. So it's a lot harder to tell. Um, in George's defense, when he made episode one to three, he was on like the cutting edge of new stuff. And I think it was like having a new toy. He oh, really just wanted to play with totally that new toy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um so in this point in Total Recall, Quaid and Melina are brought to um, Cohagen, who's like this tycoon chairman who runs Mars. He's making all the money. He's basically represents the 1%, oh, yeah. right? And this movie is kind of like watching it just the other day. I was like, wow, this is kind of creepily relevant. Oh, definitely. Right now. Like, Most definitely. Um, and, and that's the whole point of the RFC. We know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself. Well, now you don't have to. Hang out with Ruminations of Red Rum. All things horror, from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out, but hurry. The killer's behind you. And Cohagen tells him, he says, I got a message from you. It's from you, but you're not going to like it. And it's from quaid but it's not quaid it's hauser and uh that's one of my favorite lines when hauser goes uh that's not you that's me and i want my body yeah, back exactly <laughs> and it, but it's he did a good job of having a different um his acting when he's hauser is this total kind it's of like yeah slime corporate ball, slime ball piece like of crap corporate slime ball and when he's quaid he's kind of this clueless joe six-pack like joe six-pack but also yeah but a badass yeah, but yeah I mean, that's like that's the house coming through he probably has more acting range in this movie than anything else oh, he's definitely. ever done i'm trying to th- i think the only only other movie i think he might have more acting range in is true yeah. lies um so it's really cool to see i mean obviously arnold was not hired originally for his no, acting abilities in the movie business he was hired because he was a fantastic looking bodybuilder and he could play a Sumerian barbarian. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. This, um, um, the, exactly. The, the two, uh, it's two totally different uh, characters and it's not like, you know, just Arnold playing a different Arnold in that scene. It's so you can tell like uh, Hauser is cold calculating corporate scumbag dick from like, just his, yeah. his uh, appearance on the in the how he looks and how he talks, and then you have Quaid, who's just you know like you said the clueless dude, and it's that's what I like about this movie too is that the gives him a little range. But this also has another yeah. uh, another scene in this part, which makes me think it's you could to me is uh, another 
piece in the, is it a dream or is it real? Because in this part, when they, uh, after Hauser tells me he wants his body back, and then Cohagen says they're going to reimplant Hauser's memory into Quaid, and then they're going to make Molina into like the subservient mm-hmm. wife. They put him into the, uh, the, the mind, the, uh, the, yeah, the, the recall, recall machines. machines. Over the, if you uh, notice, when, they, when he goes to recall and they fire the machine up, the, uh, the back part of the machine, I don't know if this is uh, like a production gaffe or if it's intentional to leave it open-ended, but when he first goes to recall in the beginning of the movie, when they fire up the machine, the circuit boards and stuff behind the machine are all, uh, the lights are blinking and glowing and stuff. But when they fire up the machines in Cohagen's, none of that stuff is going. It's just, it's all blank hmm. back there. And I didn't notice that until like a couple times ago when I watched it. And I was like. I don't think I've ever noticed that. So that's something that I'm going to look at it's like, now. Because hmm, if it's just a dream, then those things aren't really going. So, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that reinforces like the, the viewpoint of it's a dream or it's not a dream. I don't know. That's, that was one thing I noticed. Like I said, a couple, a couple times ago, I just, I just noticed it for some reason. I was like, huh. The lights and the. Uh, the circuit boards and stuff on top of the recall machines aren't aren't lit up and they're not working. Yeah. Wow. Oh, but one of the things we we both forgot to mention is when Quaid meets Quado, it's so that Quado can look into oh, Quaid's right. mind because he's yep. a psychic to figure out what what is what is Cohagen hiding in Quaid's mind. Why are the, why does everybody want to kill this guy? What's hiding in his mind? And when Quado looks in there, he sees this old ancient alien tech that's underneath the planet Mars. And right now, Cohagen is running Mars with an iron fist because he controls the entire economy because he controls the air on the planet and he can, he's charging people for air and he's making money off of this. And he doesn't give two craps if they're living or dying because he's making money. And what, uh, what's in Quaid's mind that Quato finds is there's a ancient alien, I'm going to say it, ancient aliens, uh, ancient alien tech that looks like some sort of environmental evaporator that melts the internal core of Mars, which is ice, to produce oxygen. When Quaid and Melina are captured by Cohagen, he tells Melina, he's like, we got we to gotta get out of here and turn on the machine. Um, and so when they're at that point and, and they're, Cohagen's going to implant them and this is the typical like this is such a like a bad guys are going to win plot mistake movies 101 the bad guys are like oh we got them now they'll be fine and they walk away yeah of course the good guys always figure out a way to get out and in Arnold's case it's always the most violent (laughs) and yeah an amazing way when he pulls his arm out and then he pulls the pin out of that out of that cuff sleeve and he jabs the guy's jugular with that yeah it was awesome and then And then the dude pulls the, uh, like the, the fire axe off the wall, and the other guy has, it's like a rod of some sort. I couldn't exactly make it out. Oh, he sticks it through his neck. <laughs> yeah, right, right through his whole head. <laughs> it's, yeah. Couldn't just like hit him with it. It slices right through his skull. <laughs> yeah, and then this gets to one of my favorite action set pieces in the movie. Him and Melina get out, and they're going to go um, turn on the generator, and he has um, his watch that can make a hologram of himself. And as they're going to turn on the generator, him and Melina, um, Cohagen's men, including Richter, are uh, going 
and chasing him. Well, I gotta I gotta segue back just a little bit because earlier Cohagen says he tells the doctors, "Hey, tell him that there's going to be a party at my house <laughs> later when he comes back as as Hauser." And they're like, "Okay." So anyway, because we're gonna get to this part, <laughs> so Victor's chasing Quaidamelina, and they use that cool hologram device to you know he makes a hologram the soldiers think it's him they go to shoot the hologram he shoots them and then he gives it to melina and she does a similar thing and then she gives it back to him they're throwing it back and forth to each other while they're taking out all these uh soldiers my favorite part though is when he's like real you think quaid? that's the real quaid it is and then it is yeah it's, that's another one of those great like only arnold can pull that off and it's cheesy but somehow yeah, it works exactly. you know what i mean um and then later finally uh Richter comes after him and he yeah, they fight Richter Richter they're okay. fighting on the yeah. elevator and he knocks him down yeah and Richter's hanging down and as the elevator comes up it rips his arms off and then he throws Richter's hands that were still attached off the side and he says I'll see you at the party <laughs> <laughs> oh in such an Arnold oh, fashion um, and then they confront Cohagen and um yeah Cohagen makes a uh, he tries to tell him. He, he tries blows. to tell him that they can't turn it on because it'll cause a chain reaction that'll destroy Mars, the planet, yeah. or whatever. Right? And then Cohagen has a bomb, and Quaid throws it. But when he throws the bomb, it causes a break in the uh, the glass shield. Right? And then Cohagen gets sucked outside, and that causes a vacuum. Quaid, being Arnold, is strong enough to pull himself up to the device that has like an alien handprint and put his own hand on Which is there. Basically like like a modified Spock. Symbol. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the the first like for, uh three or first, something. First and middle finger are are kind of together. Yeah. yeah. Um he activates the machine and it turns on those coil rods and they come down, but not before him and Melina get sucked out into Mars. And that's where you have another one of those cool Rob Botine effects because they're outside in a vacuum with no air and their faces are like bulging. <laughs> I uh, shoot out. Cohagen Cole, Cole wasn't no. so lucky. He went out there and he was out there so long his face <laughs> popped. But uh, so they're out there for a little while, but then the air starts to work. Yeah, because uh, they turn the machine on and uh, the rods heat up the giant that machine yeah. is so ginormous it's, i know they were under like pyramid mountain there but when they when they were first on the bottom yeah. when they were using that holographic watch and they were fighting the cohagen's men like the uh the um the sweeping shots they used the place was so huge and then they go up and like those those rods were huge so like you know they turned them on and it melted all the ice like instantaneously and it creates like the uh, atmosphere. Yeah. The yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the cool tidbits that's on the 4K disc is they talk about the production design for that device and how they wanted it to look. And they were having a hard time figuring some stuff out. And they had a bunch of like art deco um, design work from the 30s. And there was these buildings and they were throwing stuff around on the floor looking for something and one of the production designers threw it on the floor and it landed upside down and Verhoeven looked at it he said that's it and he said what he's like that's it and so if you look at that shot those that device as it hangs down in there looks like upside down 1930s art deco skyscrapers like now that i saw that i was like oh trip out but it it totally but it totally worked for that that effect making it it almost reminded me of uh um some of like the uh 
um, the aesthetics from the Alien uh, franchise. Yeah, I'm sure that was an influence too, for sure. I mean, Alien, Aliens were both out by then. This was before Alien Three, so which is fine because we don't talk about <laughs> Alien Three or, Wait, this, or this is, any of those other Alien, Alien, Alien Three, <laughs> right? And so this is another part where you know they give you they give you that kind of little uh, twist that was it real or was it a dream you know he goes he says this is how it happened in the dream i might wake up and then melina says well kiss me before you wake up and then instead of fading to black it like fades to white and it plays like the this little ring jingle that sounds sort of like the recall commercial that was earlier in the yeah. movie and then and then it goes to black yeah, and she in melina um, he says to melina he's like uh what if this he's like i was just thinking what if this is all a dream She's like, kiss me before you wake yeah, up. Yeah, and she says, then kiss me before you wake up. And yeah. And kiss, and it like has the white fade out and then the black. So, yeah, that's. But it, yeah, and it plays a little recall jingle of in the score. Yeah. If you listen to it, Jerry Gold snuck that in there. And it's kind of, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, <laughs> what just happened? Um, yeah, so it's a really, really fun movie and story. What. What's like your standout moments of the film? What do you really love about the movie? I just love the whole thing. I love the I love the fact that you can watch it as an, like a pure action movie, or you can watch it as a like a kind of cerebral sci fi movie. And the action just works so so well in it. The pacing in the movie is good. Um, like the special effects are great, and just the action. I love all all like <laughs> not to sound like a like a psycho or anything, but the the fight scenes they're awesome they're so visceral it's like it's 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 like basically like another robocop because that movie was like ultra violent too and yeah i think that's that's a very oh yeah thing it's <laughs> exactly but um oh, there's just so many good parts the the whole part when he uh gets in the johnny cab i love that whole exchange welcome to johnny cab <laughs> and uh go drive go. sorry yeah I need sorry a destination. i did not understand the destination drive <laughs> shit 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 and he rips them off he's doing donuts i love the fact too that uh richter and his goon there with the glasses i can't remember his name is they just open fire in the crowds when they're going up the escalator in the first yeah the guys that guy with the as the meat shield oh my gosh he just gets a, annihilated and he th- they throws the dead body down onto richter and his buddy and runs off um yeah there's just so many good uh just the i don't know there's so many good parts in that movie the part, the part in the uh, when he gets captured by Cohagen, though, is awesome, and he rips he rips the arm restraint off, and it still has that bolt on the bottom. He yeah, stabs, stabs right that neck. guy in the jugular. Oh. <laughs> that's that's a, one of my favorite scenes. And then Benny, he was pretty cool too. Like during the catacombs, they're like, "Who's here?" Oh, don't worry, I'm one of you. And he pulls his arm off, and he's got the mutated arm. Mm-hmm. We we forgot to touch on like the best one of the most memorable lines in the movie is when they're at. Uh, you wish I had three hands. <laughs> three hands, yeah, yeah. The the, the hooker with yeah. three boobs. <laughs> well, you don't like what you see, or scum. When when Quaid first turns her down, but yeah. The uh, the, the scene with Benny too at the end there uh, after they escape, in there, uh, run into the mines. Yeah, well, to the reactor, and they round the corner, and it's a, um, a dead end. 
and Quaid's like, uh, dumbfounded that it doesn't lead to the reactor, and then Benny fires up the mining machine. That part yeah. was pretty cool. And he, of course, classic Arnold line. He's like, has got the giant uh, drill. It drills through the side of the uh, mining car into Benny's operator cabin. He's like, screw you, Benny. Yeah. <laughs> classic. Yeah, yeah the, the action, definitely. Um, one of the things that's pointed out for the dream ending is when he goes to recall, the salesman is basically describing them to the entire rest of the plot of the movie. That's the thing is, yeah, right? it's, it's all set up. Exactly. Right there. It's, he's um, like, when he's like, he's like, I'm not interested in anything. And he looks and he's like, he's like, let me, let me indulge you play. You could be a millionaire sports uh, uh, athlete. And he's like that one secret agent. He's like, Oh boy, I've got the one for you. He's like, you're deep undercover. Uh, people are out to kill you. And then he's like, go on. And he's like, I don't want a record for you. But rest assured, by the end of the uh, vacation, you kill the bad guys, you get the girl, and you save Mars. And you save. That's, like, that's the yeah. whole movie right there. Right. <laughs> There's a couple others that are interesting, too. There's one part where um, Cohagen is telling him when he's quit. He says, you're nothing. You're nobody. Take Just a, dream. a stupid dream. We made yeah. you up. And so that's like a part in now, if that's the dream, that's inside the dream. And we're in like inception. I was just going to say inception. Of... <laughs> right. Level, like layer upon layer upon layer. And I think you could kind of go again. You could kind of go uh, either way with that. And, I, and again, that's one of the great things I think that makes that movie stand out is that it makes you think a lot more than a standard um, 80s, 90s sci-fi movie, Le- especially in Arnold. Most Arnold movies, like we were talking about earlier, they're all the plots, all pretty straight. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly that's one of the things I love about the movie is I love how it's open ended, and I love how it, there's no set, uh, you know, there's no definition of if it's a dream or isn't a dream. You can think about it, and it's definitely it's definitely something that's never uh, been in an Arnold movie up to that time. Yeah, and even. I think the only other one that kind of explores the theme sort of like this, and I actually need to rewatch it again. I'd love to maybe talk about it on the show. Was the uh, the sixth day that was, that has a very simil- yeah. sort of crazy crazy plot too? Yeah, that w- that actually wasn't too too bad. That that's what I don't know. That was t- towards the tail end of uh, Arnie's like the good yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I enjoyed it. I like I said, it's been a long time, so I'll have to I'll have to watch it again. Um, now, so at this time, 30 years ago, us being gamers, um, there's only one, I think there were two, but there's one that I remember total recall game and it was for the NES and it was published by Acclaim who weren't exactly like the best, uh, game developers at the time. I never got the chance to play it, but you did. So I want you to talk (laughs) to me about total recall, the NES game. Oh my gosh. It was so terrible. Um, like I said, one of my best friends and I, we, we watched Total Recall so many times when we were kids. And then, uh, when, when, uh, when it came out in VHS, we bought it and we watched the crap out of it. And it just so happened for the Christmas that the uh, game came out, he got it for the NES and we were so psyched. And then we played it and it was so terrible. But the, 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 I couldn't believe we we played the shit out of that game. It it was the worst. It was side scrolling, and it was the worst thing about it is it was so hard. 
I think we could only make it maybe to like the, I want to say the second or third level. Cause being like 10 years old and a lot of like the Nintendo game, early Nintendo games were so tough and the controls in it were so terrible. The graphic I can remember being somewhat decent, but it starts out and you're in an alley and it start it starts out after, I believe after you get the, uh, you put the towel on your head you, uh, so you don't get uh, it muffles, yeah, muffles by, the, tracking, the tracking. So you're you're mm-hmm. trying to run away from Richter and you're in an alley and you fight off goons, but there's also cats for some reason, I don't know what, that jump on your head and scratch your head. So, <laughs> and you All fight right. hobos, which have nothing to do with... It's, I want to say it's like very loosely based on the movie because right. you fight your way through the alley you, you fight the hobos and then you get in the car chase. You get in the Johnny cab and you have to navigate through the streets of whatever the town, the city is in total recall and Richter's chasing you and it gets progressively harder because the streets get more like uh, skinnier and they wind, they more winding and it's so hard. And I don't think we've really made it much past that level because it was just insanely hard. And when you fight the, in the alleyway, you can get uh, your power restored by, I believe it's soda cans. <laughs> so, so you pick up soda to get your power back, but the controls are so terrible. It's, it's almost impossible to make it through this alleyway without losing most of your lives. And the hobos, they have guns. And uh, I, it's, it's just a, it's a flaming pile of turd, put it that way. But <laughs> we played it and we played it a lot. That in I remember that in the Karate Kid video game where we played the crap out of on the NES when we were that age. But because that's funny, there's a there's a review from Awful Video Games, the Total Recall game review. It says I finally tackled one of the most talked about bad oh. NES games out there. An insult to the quality movie it's based on. This game yeah. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally it. And we were so psyched to get it. And even though it sucks so bad, we played we played it. It was just one of those games that we, yeah. we wanted to see what was next. And I believe after the car chase level, you were in the ruins of uh, that constru- old construction site where you drive the Johnny Cab to, and Richter and his buddy cha- uh, track you to, and he takes the... The subway station area yeah. or whatever. And you have to fight his goons in that level, but we could never make it much further than that because... It, it was incredibly frustrating. Like that was like a controller thrower. It was so bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I never played it. I it was one of those things where as a kid you could kind of like certain logos. Like you know if you booted up a, a Nintendo game and it had the Konami logo, it was probably gonna be yeah, pretty or, good. Or, or Capcom. It was Nintendo it was probably gonna be pretty good, or Capcom was gonna be pretty but, good. Uh, but a claim you were like Oh, those are pretty yeah, bad. <laughs> those are just complete cash-ins. Like Acclaim, LJN. Oh. Like I was I was leery of Double Dragon 2 because Acclaim did the first one was published by Trade West, and then Double Dragon 2, for whatever reason, was published by Acclaim. But my cousin was like, No, it's gonna be good because it's Double Dragon. I was like, All right. <laughs> but it ended yeah, up being that one good, was really but, good. But oh my gosh. Totally but, but, but Acclaim. It was so bad. Yeah. So bad. And it's i don't know it's it's been probably a good like 30 years since i played it 
but it almost makes me want to play it again now talking about it just to experience how bad it was. It's just one of those games that we'd play in because we loved the movie so much. We played it. I don't know if we were like, that was a justification to play it, but oh my gosh, it was terrible. The graphics are pretty ter- terrible. But <laughs> the, the jacked version of Arnold and that was hilarious too with the towel on his head. Oh man. That's I just great. can't believe the cat. Now I. Cats jumping on you. I just, the cats. That? The cats jumping on your uh, It was terrible. I know that they had talked about making a sequel. This is some interesting stuff. They had they had talked about making a sequel to the 1990 Total Recall back in the day because it did really well. Um, one of the sequel ideas was that Cronenberg had done a bunch of work on Total Recall before he had been in the project when it was in that 42 rewrites of Limbo Ooh. era. Uh, but there was a bunch of cool stuff he had done, and and that may have been a springboard for a sequel one of the other sequel ideas that's interesting and they talk about this on the 4k disc is that they had optioned the right to minority report the philip k dick story and in the screenplay treatment for total recall 2 it was not even not even a screenplay it was like a long plot treatment they were going to do it based on minority report but instead of the precogs they were going to be the um Alien people from Mars were going to be the precogs, and then Quaid was going to be the main character. And so basically, they were loosely using the plot of Minority Report, you know, uh, as a sequel to Total Recall. I think that could have worked. I think they could still maybe even pull that off. They could, but now, but Arnold's too old to do to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it would have been interesting to see either way. And then I never saw it. I, I I'm going to be petty. Uh, I never wanted and or did go see the um, Colin Farrell 2014, oh. I think, oh. Total Recall <laughs> reboot. I mean, just looking at the, I don't know, I just looked at it and I said, no, man, you don't remake good movies. I, like, no, there was no, re- so in my opinion, there was no reason to even do no. that. I mean, I guess his, I didn't, I watched maybe 10 minutes of it and <laughs> I couldn't get through it. It was on. I want to say HBO or stars one a while back after like a year after it first came out. And I'm like, Oh, I'll, I'll give it a shot because I love the original and didn't hear good things about it, but I couldn't make it more than like 10 minutes through it. It was, uh, I guess that one, uh, he was more closely to Dick's book than this one, but see, they say, I so I watched a video. They, they say that, but not really. Cause in the, in the, um, in the Colin Farrell one, he doesn't even go to Mars. So, um, really, if somebody I I watched a video where a guy dissected both, and he said the 1990 film bears more of a close resemblance to Philip K. Dick's story than the 2014 remake, even though both kind of veer off at yeah. a point. He said the the soul of the story is is captured intact in the 1990 film. That was my only reason for so. trying to watch the. 2014 one was because i heard that it was more closely towards the book but i was like yeah i guess the uh it was terrible the the screenwriter of that version said that and then he was kind of called out for not actually yeah that (laughs) that that was bad there's you don't have to feel bad about hating on that because it was bad (laughs) oh i don't i it's not even hate i just was like no that didn't need to be remade like i'm not gonna watch that like so um on a side note, like what I think deserves to be remade and not because Arnold's version was bad, but only because Arnold's version 
wasn't based on the true story and character would be Conan the Barbarian. The the original Robert E. Howard Conan books are a lot more interesting than what the movie was. The movie was amazing, oh, Conan yeah. the Barbarian, when it came out. The production design, the music, Arnold. It was a cool movie, but it's not the real Conan the Barbarian from the books. Like, not even close. Like, not close one bit. <laughs> like, maybe in sort of looks, but um, Conan in the books is a lot more clever. Um, you know, it's 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 a it's a totally different animal. I think that that should have been remade. They tried to do it with Jason Momoa, and they didn't do the books either. They basically remade the '82 movie, but couldn't even do that. So, yeah, that's one I haven't rewatched either. Is the the remake of that because that didn't even that didn't look any like anything I'd want to watch. But yeah, like the the um the Arnold Conan, like you said, was good. Not much like the book, but it, it was a good movie, and it was. It was a good movie, yeah. though. It was still a great movie. It just wasn't it? Just wasn't the real Conan. Um, but anyway, well, cool, man. You got any last words on Total Recall, or why? Why should somebody uh, watch Total Recall? Because it's a classic Arnold movie. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's a, a good, good reason. reason. I mean, if you love Arnold, you should definitely watch it, and you've probably already watched it. But if not, it's a great sci-fi movie that holds up. It's got great action. It's got great special effects and it has a plot if you if you care to even follow it that's really good and it makes you think which isn't typical for an Arnold movie it like I said there are a couple parts in it which for me uh can make you think either way it's a dream or not a dream and there's not too many movies now that actually or sci-fi action movies that actually are a little cerebral like that that'll that are worth watching that are even probably don't even think there's too too many movies that are made like that. It's, I don't know. It's to me, it's just a classic, uh, late eighties, early nineties action flick that, uh, actually has some, uh, brain behind it. It's very well done. That's, I know it's just hard to describe, but it's a, it's a great movie. And if you're a sci-fi fan, it's definitely one you, you have to watch. It's a definitely a must watch movie and easily one of Arnold's best. Yeah. It's, yeah, I would agree with that. It's one of his best. It's a classic science fiction film. Um, I mean, it did a lot of things that everybody it was influenced by. The Matrix was definitely influenced by it. I mean, Philip K. Dick himself, a lot of his stories have just, his ideas have permeated science fiction to the point where it, sometimes it's hard to tell. Uh, was it? was it not a Philip K. Dick idea when you watch yeah. a science fiction movie nowadays? Um, but that was one of the originals. And and yeah, the, uh, the direction by Verhoeven, the, uh, the, the music, the Jerry Goldsmith music is great. The effects, the new 4k release looks amazing. So if you're out there and you have a, you have a nice 4k set, grab the 4k version. It's yeah. It's, really not, too, good. it's not too I would expensive. Say it's and it's definitely, like $15 dollars at target for the 4k one. I mean, yeah, I, I I got it at the same price yeah. as Best Buy. So it's not yeah. a it's not like a an expensive uh, dip into the 4K pond. Yeah, man. Well, awesome. Thanks for joining me today, B Daddy. This has been a yeah, ton of a, fun. Definitely, and, uh, it was a pleasure. I always enjoy talking to you. Yeah. Again, I want to thank our hosts at Ruminations Radio Network. Make sure you check out ruminationsradionetwork.com. We have lots of podcasts. There's some great shows and great topics going on. Um, we'll be coming at you soon again from the retro futurists 
culture podcast. We're going to have some episodes coming up. Uh, I want to do one on uh, Back to the Future with a special guest. That's going to be coming up soon. And maybe a couple other things. But anyway, peace out, everybody. Have a great day. Bye.